night. I hope that you've had a great week so far. Um, if you would, I want you to uh, mark a couple dates down for next year. We um, um, signed a contract today for the Ball Brothers to return, and we're going to do a tent meeting again next year. Um, I think that's August 30th, though. Uh, we needed to move it up uh, a week, um, and that should help us as well just because of weather. So August 30th, we'll do the same thing, um, have them come, and they're going to sing actually an extra half hour um, during the concert portion as well. Um, and so we've arranged for that as well. And then on December 11th, and I really want you to pray. Now, this is next year, not this year, but it's, um, it'll be here before we know it. They're going to come back and do a Christmas concert for us. And it's a two-hour Christmas concert. And this is, it's really, um, uh, it, it's going to be a great outreach for people. They start off with just a little bit of comedy. They're, they're pretty dry in their comedy, um, but uh, it's funny. And so they started off and um, uh, then they sing and then they bring it to a close um, with a clear presentation of the gospel, obviously throughout through song and then at the end. So we're gonna use that as a really big outreach next year. Um, and so we've already started talking about some ideas um, for that evening. So if you would pray on those dates um, and I'm excited that they'll They've agreed to do that. Um, they sing about 150 concerts a year, and so to get them back twice is um, uh, was a big deal. Um, and so they love you so much. They love singing for you. They said they'd come back, and so thanks for being nice to them. Um, but I'm really excited about that. Um, so you pray about that if you would, please. All right, 2 Kings chapter 5, 2 Kings 5. And I want you, if you would as well, if you pray for uh, our son Jacob. Michelle and I were able to get away another time. I just needed a break, and she was going to go with me. And I said, well, let's just go to see Jacob. Then you can see Jacob. I can take a break. And um, while we were there, that Saturday, he got a call back. They required everyone to report back on post early. He wasn't sure what the reason was. They came back in formation. They just kind of sat there for um, a lengthy period of time, late into the evening. And then the following day, Sunday, um, they pulled everyone back together in formation, and they told him that one of his classmates had died on Saturday. Um, they had, uh, a group of them had signed off. Um, they're at that place, obviously, where they would sign off post, and a group of them went swimming. They found a swimming hole um, between San Antonio and Austin, and um, one of the kids jumped off the cliff into the water and hit his head and um, uh, killed him. And this was someone that was right in his class, you know, they saw every day. They're at the point now where they know everybody. Um, and so he's really dealt with a lot from um, another one of his friends um, attempting suicide there. Um, and um, just a lot, a lot for a young man. And so when he told us Sunday evening, he said that, that even the drill sergeants were really emotional uh, over this one. And so, um, just, just pray. There, there's, a, there's a group of people he has gotten close to that he's shared the gospel with. Um, he had a conversation with one fella uh, about hell and um, uh, just, just trying to share the gospel with him. And he said it was about an hour and a half conversation. And it didn't go well uh, because the fella uh, couldn't believe that a God, a loving God, could send anyone to hell. And, um, and so the conversation was a very... Difficult conversation, he said, but um, just 
all of these are opportunities for him to, sh- to be light, to share the gospel. Um, and so just pray. He's got about four weeks left. And I think uh, on his heart, it's really heavy. Um, he has you know, gotten, to, gotten to know these people and then suffered a lot of tragedy with this group of people as well. But even more than that, he shared with me, he said just them um, knowing that if they're not saved, they would spend eternity in hell is really, uh, and I'm, I'm glad that he's sensitive to that, um, but um, it's difficult. So just pray, if you would, please, um, for him. Just four weeks left, and uh, we'd appreciate those prayers. All right, Second Kings chapter 5. I'm going to do something a little bit different this evening. Um, we'll, in, in the style of this, this message, this is something, this passage of Scripture, <clears throat> this entire chapter, I'm not going to take the time to read the entire chapter, but this entire chapter has really gripped me over the last several days just in reading. And as I've read through this passage of Scripture and studied through this, the Lord has really just given me um, just so many thoughts um, uh, throughout this chapter that has really helped me and encouraged uh, encouraged me over the last, last several days. And so um, I'm, going to, I'm going to read a few verses. How many of you know the story of Naaman and his leprosy? Naaman is the captain of the host. It says in verse number one, now Naaman, captain of the host, the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And so verse number one tells us of his, his, uh, his resume is pretty great. He, there was a time in history here where Syria was actually occupied this, this man by the name of Naaman, um, this, great, this great general in battle, he was able to lead an army and free the Syrian uh, uh, nation from this occupation. Also, we'll read here coming up that not only did he free Syria and free the king of that occupation, they also, there was a time that they went into Israel and um, they, they brought out some servants, some slaves out of Israel as well. And so this man, Naaman, was a great warrior. And the Bible tells us some things about him. Uh, he, was, he was honorable. He had the Lord's power upon him. And so God was doing something with Naaman's life. But the Bible says here, this, this small word, but, changes everything. He's a leper. In these days, leprosy was a death sentence. If you, if you got leprosy, you were done. It was only a matter of time. Your skin would begin to turn white, and then parts of your body would begin to wither, and you would eventually die. In those days, when you got leprosy, immediately, because leprosy was such a contagious disease, and anyone around you that got that had a death sentence as well, they would take lepers and put them outside of the cities. And when, when, when people would come near these leper camps, they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean, so that no one would get near these leper camps so that no one would get this leprosy. When a leper died, they would take all of the leopard's clothes and anything uh, uh, that belonged to him, and they would burn it so that, that that disease would not spread. Here we find a story where Naaman has leprosy. But for some reason, we don't know why necessarily. Maybe he just found this out. But Naaman is not expelled from the kingdom. He's not, he's not told to, that he has to leave yet. He's still in a place of, of high rank, high authority 
in the Syrian army, um, and may, maybe because of the great warrior that he was, we don't know that. All we know is that Naaman's successful career, his great life that he has is about ready to come to an end because of his leprosy. The Bible goes on to say in verse number two, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Now, again, something interesting about this, in verse number two, the thought of him going and taking this little maid is probably really in, in, of no significance to Naaman at that moment because this is what they would do in battle. We don't know if he went in and, and killed this little maid's parents, but I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a very kind, considerate, polite, hey, we've invaded your country. How would you like to come live with me? I'm sure it was forceful. There was a great separation. They, they, they took her out of her home and they placed this little maid into a, another home and it just happened to be Naaman's home and he gave his wife this little maid to care for her. And so this young girl, this little maid this is uh, from Israel, would take care of all of Naaman's wife's needs. And so cooking, cleaning, laundry, whatever Naaman's wife didn't want to do, this little maid did for her. Probably not a, not a life that she was hoping when I grow up, I want to be a maid. I want to be a servant to someone not even that lives in my country. This is probably not something she dreamed of. So we find in verse number three, and she said unto her mistress, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have wherewith sent Naaman, my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And this is the king's response. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent the clothes and said, am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And so the king of Israel is sent a letter. And in, in those days, probably when a, another king that has already invaded your land and taken things from your land comes now with Naaman, the, this, this great, great general again to their land with this letter, now he says, I am requiring you to take this Naaman and make him better. And the response of this king was he just rent his clothes. I, I picture this king, he, he, he's throwing a temper tantrum. Just imagine this, this child that didn't get their way just throwing a fit all over the place. That's what, that's what the king of Israel looks like now. He's, he's, he can't believe, who am I? Why in the world would, would Naaman come? And why would the king of Syria ask me to do something? Am I God? Why, why would this happen? You see, the king of Syria had known uh, and, and we don't know if he ever does find out that there was a little, little maid girl that was taken from Israel, that Naaman, this great warrior, has leprosy, and this little maid girl says, hey, there's a prophet in Israel. 
In the town I used to live, there was this Elisha. We used to call him the prophet. He was the man of God, and, and, and he could heal. And so if Naaman could get to him and, and they could connect, I know that, that God could heal Naaman of his leprosy. The king doesn't know that. I want you to write down seven names or six names in, in a group of people, and I want to I look at each of these each of these names. And I want you, first, I want you to write down the name Naaman. Write down that name Naaman. The second thing I want you to do is write down the, the, the king of Syria. Just write down the king of Syria. Naaman, the king of Syria. And write down little maid. Little maid. Write down the king of Israel. Write his name down. There's the king of Israel. We didn't get to his name yet, but in verse number eight, we're introduced to the prophet. His name is Elisha. Did you write his name down? Elisha has a servant. His name is Gehazi, G-E-H-A-Z-I, Gehazi. That's the servant of Elijah, or Elisha. And then we're also introduced to a group of people. We're not sure how many people this is, but in verse number 13, we read of Naaman's servants, and his servants came near. These are the servants of Naaman. Just write down Naaman's servants or the servants of Naaman. And there's seven groups of people here. And in this passage of Scripture, there's seven groups of uh, people, six people and then a group of servants, that I want to look at something that's very interesting here. Last Wednesday, we talked about frustration. How many of you use that Lesson last week to help with frustration in the last seven days. Anybody? I did. Twice. Two times. Three times probably. A day. <laughs> Today, tonight, we're going to talk about influence or leadership. Every single person in this room has influence or leadership with somebody. You don't have to be a king in order to have leadership or influence. You don't have to be a great warrior. You can be a little maid. Every single person in this room has leadership or influence. How many of you would agree you have influence or leadership with someone? Just a few of you. Go ahead, raise your hand, exercise some, get that blood flowing. You don't have to be a business owner to have a leadership. You don't even have to be a parent. You say, well, I've got children, so I have influence. We, everybody here, has some influence or some leadership. But what type of influence or leadership do you have? You all have influence. Do people learn from it? Do people grow from it? Are people helped from it? I want to skip the first name, Naaman, for a minute, and I want you to see the king of Syria. There's something interesting. I'm going to build on this and come bring it all to a close in the end, so stay with me if you would, please. The king of Syria, this type of leader, he was a man that was, was um, willing, he was willing to invest his own fortune, he was willing to invest his own wealth for the betterment of Naaman. And what I mean by that is this, the king of Syria could have said, you know what, Naaman, you've got leprosy, you're done. Next, 
I, I, I don't have time. You've, yeah, you've, you, have, you have won battles for me and you've, you've freed Syria and, and you've gone into Israel and, and you've, you've conquered parts of Israel. But you know what? You have leprosy now and now you have no use to me. And so you're done. I'm looking now for a new captain of the host. This type, there is sometimes in leadership, some people, they enjoy you as long as you can better them, but as moment that you can no longer better their life, they want nothing to do with you. We need to be careful of that. No matter what area of life you lead people, be careful that you don't just use people for your good, and as soon as they can't help you anymore, you push them away. The king of Syria, this is where his leadership was. He said to Naaman, when he heard that there was a a prophet in Israel, he said, I want you to go to Israel, and I want you to go to this this king of Israel. Here's a letter I'm going to write. He used his influence. He used his wealth. The king said, here is is 10 shekels of of silver. Here's 6,000 pieces of gold. Here's 10 changes of garments. Take all of these things and go to Israel because I want you to be better. You see, this king was willing to use what he had so that those that were under his charge could grow, could be healed. That's a great quality to have. But there's something, though, about this king. This king was able to use his wealth to help, but he didn't have the power to help. He could give, but in himself, he couldn't fix Naaman's problem. You see that about the king? Then we come to this passage where we're introduced to the king of Israel. This king of Israel has a position, but he has no power. You see, Naaman comes to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel, this is the king of Israel. This is God's chosen people. If there's a person on the face of the earth that ought to be able to point someone to God and point somebody to this healing, it should be the king of Israel. Because, listen, God said, I'm going to make of me a nation that that when people see them, they'll know that there is one true God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And that's what Israel was supposed to be. When someone needed to find God, they could look to Israel and find that Israel's God was the one true God. Naaman, who's a leper, he comes to the king. He presents the king all of this wealth. He presents the king all of the things that the Syrian king sent. But the king of Israel had a position, but he couldn't help. He had no power. This is a sad place to be. The king of Israel, what, what help could he be? And many a times people seek a position... But the position doesn't give you power. Your relationship with God does. Everyone wants to get to a certain place. But the goal can't be to get to a certain place if God's not with you in that place. And so we see the Syrian king. We see the the, uh, king of Israel. I want you to see number three with me, if you would, this man by the name of Elijah or Elisha. In verse number eight, and it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, and what he meant there is through a temper tantrum, that he sent to the king saying, wherefore hast thou rent my, thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. What, what he was saying is this. I might not have the position, 
but I've got the power. You see, a position doesn't give you power. A relationship with God does. And that's what we ought to seek in our influence and in our leadership. We ought to seek when someone needs help that we've got a relationship with the Lord that we're able to present them with God's power. The, what God was wanting to do in 2 Kings chapter 5, all of this is not necessarily just about a miracle. It's not about Naaman being cured of his leprosy. And we have a great story that we could read to the kids in Sunday school and, and, and say, look, this man had leprosy and he was white as snow. But God healed him and we move on. No, what this is, is this is about God showing his great power to the nation of Syria and to the nation of Israel. This is God getting the attention of the world, showing them that he is the one true God. This is God receiving glory for something that only he can do. And so we have a man by the name of Elisha. He's the prophet. He had power of God. Even though he didn't have a position as a king, he had the power of God. And his servant was there to witness it. There was a man by the name of Gehazi. He's there, and, and here comes Naaman. Naaman comes to the house. Imagine, imagine this. He comes to the, the, the castle or the king's place there in Israel. A beautiful place. Here's the king. The king can help me. I mean, here's one guy, he, he probably lives in a, a great place and he has great wealth. I mean, he's, he's, he's up there with the king of Syria and has delivered Syria. And he's probably got great wealth from that. He comes to Israel, he comes to the, the kingdom of Israel and think, all right, the king here can help me only to find the king can't. And he says, well, there's a, there's a prophet named Elisha. If you just head down this road and through these areas and you'll, you'll come to this, 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 this quaint little place and, and there you're going to find Elisha. Here's this mighty man, Naaman, pulls up at probably a small little cottage. Thinking, how's this guy going to help me? You want me to go into this house to find this guy, Elisha? He can't even help himself. You see, it's not about what you get on the outside, the material things. It's about your relationship with God. That's what people need to see. Elisha then doesn't even come out. The Bible tells us that Elisha doesn't come out, even come out of the house. Gehazi comes out of the house, and, and he gives Naaman word. He comes out to the chariot that Naaman's on and all these servants that are with him and, and uh, comes out, and our, our Naaman looks down and sees this servant, and are you Elisha? And and just imagine with me this conversation. Elisha says, I, I'm not, uh, or Gehazi says, I'm not Elisha. He's in the house. Naaman says, well, go get him because I've got leprosy and, and, and I've got all this wealth with me. And, and if he'll cure me of leprosy, I've heard this is the man to do it, then I'll, uh, I'll give him all of this wealth. And Gehazi says, well, he's not coming out. But he said to tell you, if you'll go and dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times, you'll be cured of this leprosy. Now, the Bible tells us this, that Naaman's not too impressed. So his conversation with Gehazi goes something like this. You want me, Naaman, to go dip in that dirty river Jordan seven times 
Isn't there something else we can do here? I mean, I've got gold and I've got silver and I've got raiments. And, and, and isn't there something else that we can do here? And, and the conversation goes just like this. No. The prophet, the guy in the hut, said to tell you, Naaman, you've got to get down off your chariot. You've got to go into the Jordan River. You've got to dip yourself seven times. If you'll do that, all of your leprosy will be gone. Naaman says, I'm not doing this. And, and Naaman, in his, in his anger, I don't know if he's actually having a conversation with, with his servants or he's just so mad he's just talking. Have you ever been so mad that you just talk to yourself and you don't care who's around anybody like that? Just, you, just, you just spill it all out. I can't believe I drove all the way down here in this chariot to see the king. The king sends me to this guy that lives in this small little hut, and, 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 and I can't believe this. this. This is not the way that I thought it would be. I thought I was going to be cured of leprosy. And, and Damon, knowing this, if I don't get cured of leprosy, I'm going to die. And you want me to get into this dirty water, and as he's saying this, whether he's saying it to someone or just, just mad, speaking his mind, his servants say to him, Naaman, father. They use that word father. Like, Lord, master. All he asked you to do was dip yourself in the water seven times. If he would have asked you for great wealth or do something great to donate your, your chariot to, to you know, the, some great cause, you would, have, you would have done that, easily done that, but he asked you to do something so simple. Why would you do that? Just imagine, the Bible says there was no argument. There was, there was no more conversation. The Bible tells us this, and as they told him that, look with me in verse number 13 is when the servants come near and spake unto him. In verse number 14, then went he down. Okay, I'll do this. And he comes to the, comes to the water, and imagine Naaman here in the dirty Jordan River dunking himself. The first time he gets up and it's still there. Second time, he dunks himself and comes up, and it's, it's still there. He looks up to the house, and he sees Gehazi there on the porch, and he says, it's still here, and Gehazi says, got five more. He dunks himself. Gets back up, looks, no change. Imagine doing this six times, and six times you dunk yourself, and six times you get up, and you still have leprosy. It's still there. Many of us would be frustrated, be annoyed, and many times this is a place many people will quit. I don't understand. I've done it six times. Isn't that enough? But you know what we find? Partial obedience is still disobedience. Partial obedience as a child of God is still disobedience. You know what it took for Naaman to be healed of that leprosy? 
Not a trick question. Total obedience. Seven times down and seven times up. Exactly what God told him to do. But I want to see something even deeper with Naaman. I want to look at this quality that Naaman has. Naaman kidnaps a little girl from her home, puts her into his home. She's serving his wife. There was something about Naaman that is intriguing to me. Naaman was a type of person that even though his little maid that lived in this house wasn't his family, was kidnapped, taken out of, of, a, of her country, brought into a strange land to, to work for Naaman's wife, she still had a desire to help Naaman when he had leprosy. Something else intrigues me about this as well. His servants who know that Naaman is going to die because leprosy is going to kill him. His, his servants, when, when Naaman gets back in the chariot and says, I can't believe I wasted my time. I can't believe he wants me to dip in the Jordan River. I can't believe, why in the world would we even go through this? Why, why did I listen to this? The servants said to him, his servants. These aren't his fellow generals. This isn't the king. These are servants that are, that are serving him. They say to Naaman, Naaman, why don't you listen to the prophet and be clean? There's something intriguing to me about this. A little servant girl and his servants that went with him to Israel, both of them saw Naaman in such a way that they were willing to help Naaman. Why? To me, that shows you something about the character of Naaman. It shows you something about Naaman's leadership. And something that, as I studied through this, as I dug into this, something that the Lord just hit me with is this. Naaman had those around him that were servants, that were that maids, that wanted to help him succeed, that wanted to help him get healed, that wanted to help him be successful. And Naaman was a type of leader that listened to his help and took his advice, took their advice from people that were less experienced than he was. Now stay with me, please. When most of us have problems, we want to go to somebody that we think has all the answers. This past weekend, I said to my wife a couple weeks back, I said, you know, I just need to get away. I need to rest. I need to think. I've got some things in my mind I'm trying to sort through. And I said, I just need a break. I need to get away. So we were, we were laying there Sunday night, and, and um, some of our plans with Jacob kind of got changed around because of this situation with this, with this um, uh, uh, fellow soldier that was killed that died. So I was laying there, and I was sorting through my mind, and Michelle says, so what do, you, what do you need help with? And I said to her, I said, Michelle, you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand. She says, well, try me. I said, Michelle, don't take this wrong, but you're like a mom, and you raise kids. I'm a pastor, and I have a lot of 
a lot of responsibilities. And, and she said, say that again? I said, you know, you, you drive a minivan, like, you know, soccer mom type stuff. You know, you, 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 you get lunches ready and, and shop for the kids. You just make sure they're dressed. You're like a mom. You're like, you don't have any stress. You don't have any problems. You, I, mean, I pastor a church. You know, there's problems. There's people. And... Um, she hit me with a pillow, and, and no, she didn't. And she said, try me. <sighs> okay, here we go. And you know what I found? People that don't have your experience can still help you. Naaman was dying. Naaman's king couldn't help him. The king of Israel couldn't help him. Naaman had help, and Elisha was willing to help Naaman, and Elisha gave Naaman the solution, but Naaman wasn't even willing to listen to Elijah. You know what Naaman had to do? Naaman listened to a little, little maid girl who said, there's a, there's a, there's a, a man, a prophet in Israel, my home country, my town where I, I, I know that if you can get there, you can find God. And if you find God, you can find help. And Naaman gets there and he gets the help that he thinks he's looking for, but he, he looks past the help and it took his servants to say to Naaman, Naaman, what do you think the problem would be for us just to go to the Jordan and dip? I mean, let's just try it. It wasn't the kings that helped Naaman. It wasn't other generals that conquered great land. It was in, seemingly insignificant people that God put in Naaman's life. And because Naaman was willing to listen and take advice from people less experienced than him, Naaman lived. This is a style of leadership that I believe that all of us probably ought to be more like. Because all of us, as I talked to last week, we looked at frustrations and stresses and how we get through things. And, and it really hit me this week as I was studying, kind of thinking of last week's thought and then studying this passage of Scripture. So many of us, we're looking for like the, the big sign in the sky. We're looking for, you know, I don't know if somebody that has never pastored before that isn't really going through some of the things I'm dealing with. I need to find the guy. I need to find the guy that's pastored for a long time, that's pastored a church large. I mean, I, I need to find the guy with experience. If, if I can get to the guy with experience, then I can find help. If I, if I can talk to the person that, that's been there and done that, then I can find help. But listen to me, God isn't always going to use the person that has the more experience and been there, done that. You know why? Because many a times, if he would have been able to go to the king of Syria, and the king of Syria was able to help Naaman with the leprosy, God never would have gotten glory. 
If he would have gone down to the king of Israel and he said to the king of Israel, hey, I, I, I've got leprosy and, and here I am. And the king of Israel said, oh, I can take care of that for you. No problem. I'll help that need. I'll fix that need. And he would have left after meeting with the king of Israel, cleared of his leprosy. God never would have got the glory. It wasn't until he met somebody with power that knew God and had a relationship with God that told him how to get help. And it wasn't even Elisha that he uh, convinced him to do this. It was insignificant people with less experience than, than Naaman has ever had because he was willing to listen and take advice. He lived. Because when God uses the little maid... The little maid doesn't take the glory. She gives it to God. And when God uses the servants that say to Naaman, Naaman, just get down off the chariot and get into the Jordan River. Why, aren't you, why won't you just try this? If you would have asked you to do something big, you would have done it. But something so small, you see what, what, what happened? And that's there, that story there is this, that the, the servants with no name, we don't know who they are, there's nothing greatly significant about them, they're just simply there to help Naaman in his life. They gave him advice, he took their advice, and God received glory. So often, I believe all of us, all of us are looking for answers. All of us are looking for Real answers, legit answers. It might be at work. It might be at parenting. It might be at, at, at pastoring. It might be in, 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 in leadership at your job. It might be in, in owning your own business. It might be whatever you do. It, you're looking for answers. And, and listen to me, Christian, I'm afraid so often we look past the little maid and the servants because we don't think they have anything to offer. And it's those that God wants to use because when we listen, he receives the glory. We need to be careful that we're not looking for answers apart from God. We, we need to know this, that every single person is going to need something. And every single person here tonight, you need answers in some area of your life. And God has you there so that when you get the answer, he gets the credit. He's not going to put something in your life that's going to give you the answers and then take the credit for it. Because he's not willing to share his glory with any man. God is going to receive the glory. And if we're not careful, we can miss out on what we need to have and should have and the answers we need because we look past what God has placed there in our life. As I dug into this more, my thought with this, do you think it was a mistake and by accident that this little maiden girl ended up in Naaman's house? No, it was an act of God. God knew that Naaman was going to need cured of leprosy. God takes a little maid girl from Israel and puts her in Naaman's house. So when Naaman needs help, there's a little girl that says, hey, there's a prophet in Israel. If you'll just get to him, you can be cured. God put something in someone in your life. You know what he, that, that little maid saying? If you'll just go to God, you can be cured. 
And because it's insignificant, we look past it. We say, what do they know? They don't understand. They don't understand what I'm going through. What, what, what kind of advice could a little maiden girl get? But when we listen, God receives the glory. I hope that you see that and get that tonight. Because we as Christians should not be satisfied getting our answers from anything where God won't receive the glory from it. And sometimes in our panic, and sometimes in our pain, and sometimes in our frustration, and sometimes in our stress, if we're not careful, we're willing to go to a source that'll just give us the answer we need so we can get through the day without realizing that's not why God's given you that struggle. He gave it to you so that you'll understand and see that he wants the glory in your life. So that when you're healed of that leprosy, he receives all glory, no one else. And then lastly, we have a man by the name of Gehazi. Are you with me? Here's a man that saw God work. Here's a man that watched Naaman dip seven times and cured. I mean, he's, he's cured of this leprosy. He sees God work. He spends time with Elisha the prophet. He sees the power of God. but he's also in it for himself. Oh, Gehazi wants to see God work, but he'll take a little bit of that silver in those raiments as well. Gehazi, boy, this is wonderful. Naaman's healed. Don't we serve a great God? Yeah, I'm willing to give God the glory, but I'm also interested in taking a little bit for myself as well. Gehazi, the Bible tells us this toward the end of this chapter, that he runs along Naaman's chariot as they get a little bit away, and, and he says to Naaman, hey, hey, uh, Elijah sent me, and there's a couple, couple sons of the prophet that came into town last minute, and um, you know, we just want to be a blessing to them. They're real good guys, and, and they don't have you know, a lot. And, and so, matter of fact, if you'll just give us just one little talent and, and one change of, of garments, we'll go back and, and give these. If you, if you don't mind doing that, we'll do that. He made the whole story up. Naaman says, you know what, actually, I'll double that. I'll give you two talents, and here's a change of, of garments, and, and go back. And here's, here's Gehazi coming back with, with all this extra stuff. He puts it in a place. He gets in the house, and Elijah says, where were you? And he says, what do you mean, where was I? I haven't gone anywhere. Elijah says, but, but when, you, when you went to talk with Naaman, my heart went with you. Gehazi was had. Gehazi wanted to see God work. Gehazi was excited that Naaman was healed. But there was still a piece of Gehazi that was in it for himself. Praise God, he, he healed, and praise God, my pocket just got lined as well. You see, Gehazi was a type of leader. He was willing, he wanted to, 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 for others to see God work, but he also was interested in what's in it for me as well. And we need to be careful in that type of servant. 
Because Elisha said to Gehazi, you've, you've, you've lied, you've sinned. The leprosy that Naaman had, it's now on you. And it's not only on you, it's going to be on every generation after you forever. Look with me in verse number 21. The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. I was, reading it, I was reading that, and I thought to myself, I wonder if there's a guy somewhere in this world saved with leprosy today. Because God's word is true. I wonder if there's somebody that was born that said, man, I can't believe I got leprosy. My dad's had leprosy, and his grandfather's had leprosy, and every generation has had leprosy because of this judgment that God put upon Gehazi because Gehazi was in it for himself. So there's a king. He's willing to give everything, but he really can't help. There's a king in Israel that can't help at all. He's got a position that's got no power. There's a, there's a prophet that's got power because he's got a relationship with God. There's Naaman who was healed because he listened to the people that God put into his life. And there's a little, 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 Made girl that could have said, you know what, you, you took me from home and, and you've made my life miserable and, and I'm a servant now because of you. No, but there's a God that I'm going to give credit to. And there were servants that said, you know what, I, 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 Naaman, you can die and, and we're just going to get a new, new uh, 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 captain of the host and, and life's going to be good. If you don't want to listen to the prophet, then, then shame on you. No, they were willing to invest in their leader. And you look at this story, those that trusted God in the provisions of God were healed. Those that didn't see God working at all, nothing significant happened to them. The prophet saw the power of God. The prophet's servant, Gehazi, ends up with leprosy and every single person after him forever, the Bible says, Unto thy seed forever has leprosy because he was willing to take what wasn't his. And as I read through this chapter, I just thought to myself, what type of influence and what type of leader are you? What type of influence and what type of leader am I? Are we just simply satisfied, number one, having a relationship with God so that we could help other people and God receive all the glory? And are we the type of person that will just simply look at the provisions that God's given us and listen, even when something isn't seeming as significant as our problem or the person doesn't understand? Look for those small areas. Look for those servants. Look for those maiden girls. And listen. For what reason? So God receives glory. Listen, this wasn't about Naaman. It was all about God. This wasn't about leprosy. It was all about God. It wasn't about a king. It wasn't about Syria. This was about God. Your life, your frustration, your problem, your situation, it's not about you. That's why a little maid girl can give advice because she was pointing them to God. That's why the servants could give advice because they were saying, just do what God said. 
We don't need to go to somebody that's already lived through it and has all the answers. We need to listen to people that simply say, go to God. He has the answers. And when Naaman listened, this is the greatest part about the story. He lived. He lived. Not because of the king of Syria, not because of the king of Israel, but because of a little maiden girl and his servants. Because he listened, he lived. Father,